0: Layovers, your weekly dose of aviation innovation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard from the flight deck. This is Paul pavetti Hello, everybody. This is Alex Hunter. We'll be your pilots for this show about the news, the startups, and the technologies defining the modern air travel experience. Our flight time today, an hour and three minutes and we expect an on-time arrival. Coming up on this flight, Air France retires its last 747. Uber might enter the travel planning game. Will commercial aircraft ditch one pilot? The most entertaining man in the aviation industry, Qatar Airways CEO. An app to switch seats, a motorized carry-on that follows you around. Airbus announces strong results in a technology for drone avoidance. As we reach our cruising altitude, I'm going to turn off the fast seatbelt sign for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and let's turn on those noise-canceling headphones.
1: Flight 32 to Oslo. Oslo. Oslo in January. I don't I don't know if I'd want to do that, even though it's a beautiful city. That, that's a cold, cold place. Well, I've actually done
0: it, not the city, but the airport. And that was quite a story, Uh-oh. I'll tell you. <laughs> First, so happy new year. Yeah, happy. Welcome to 2016. We haven't recorded for a while because suddenly I had to travel. I'll come to that in a second. Uh so sorry all to our listeners. Uh we promised that twenty sixteen well try again to do we did 31 shows last year that's so not actually, so bad actually yeah yeah it's not weekly but it's not all bi-weekly it's cool and uh, also we have great guests already lined up uh, for this year the problem is always so that because a people a lot of people ask me oh but you don't have enough guests it's like yeah but you know when we travel we, these shows when you're just you and me they're easy to set up when you have to set up a guest it's actually much harder yeah. but we'll do them uh, over the, the next quarter we'll have a few very nice guests and a few shout-outs. I want to say shout-outs to Kalina, Aziza, and, of course, Gen, as always. Yeah. Because they've been sending of course, that the show is great. They've been listening to the show. Gen is feeding me stories, as, as always. I promise you, general we'll cover uh, PVGs or Shanghai Airport yes. very soon. I think I'm going, you I'm you going there in going. April,
1: so looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I'll introduce you to Gen, because you, you absolutely have to, to meet him. Uh, and also, we'll talk about the end of that in the end of the show. But we are about to travel almost together. That'll be a very fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of new airports for, for you and May. Yeah, so I traveled. I had suddenly to go to the U.S., to New York for work. And uh, so that was very last minute. I was looking at my options. And I think this is something you saw as well. We were mad at this. Uh, I was trying to go from, you know, of course, ETHRO or Gatwick to New York, which, whichever airport. Uh, and I was looking at Madrid, Amsterdam, Paris, all the hubs, Warsaw, it's almost half the price in London, and that yeah, really is crazy. It's, right?
1: it's infuriating, and it's really starting to get on my nerves because, you know, you you've run into this. I've run. I've got a, a pretty epic trip coming up in the spring that um, requires me to bounce all over the world, and it, it's the worst kept secret in the world that if you leave from anywhere in Europe that's not London, you're going to get a much much better price. I mean, just for an example, the one that I found the other day that I sent to you. Which was, I think, uh, Oslo to Singapore via Doha on Qatar Airways in business class round trip was about eight hundred quid. That's crazy, right? You try that out of London, and it's going to be twenty five hundred pounds. Yeah, same absolutely. metal, same service, and you're actually going further when you leave out of Oslo. It's ridiculous. It's getting yeah, I, out of.
0: I was comparing Jay, so I was comparing a business class to to do, to New York, and there was. From London, pretty much everyone was four thousand pounds and more. And you could find a thousand eight hundred in other cities in Europe. So it's really like for But it also shows that Ethro is probably, you know, there's there's not an ability to have competition because there's yeah. no
1: more slots. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think um we're going to to Boston and New York to film Attache next month. And Greg, mm-hmm. who I who I do the show with, has found a great fair there's great fares to the East Coast if you are willing to stay for a Saturday night. Or in his case, he's found – I think he's going on WOW, which we'll talk about a little bit later via, via Iceland. But it's, it's getting to the point where I am more than happy to fly to somewhere else in Europe to get First, that outbound and, yeah, flight. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if a runway is going to solve it. But something has to happen because London as a, an airport infrastructure capital is really losing its clout. Absolutely. So I did that exactly like you did. So I looked at my
0: options. I wanted to fly Star Alliance because I have status. Uh, I also looked, to be honest, at uh, Emirates from uh, Milan. But the, the, the flights were full, even though now they have the A380. Uh, for, for my dates. I mean, not full every day. So I ended up using SAS, which is a company I've been using forever. SAS is this, uh, Scandinavian airline. So basically it's a co-owned airline by Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. Uh, not Finland. Uh, Finland is its own, uh, Finnair. Uh, so I on purpose chose to fly with the new A330. Uh, I say new because a product it's very different. You could feel a little bit like Turkish, you know, they have the, the local products in European short haul, medium haul product that they used to go to, I, I first connected through Copenhagen on, on the way to, to New York, you could feel it's all plane, the crew is also very, you know, the, the flag carrier kind of stigma. Mm. Whereas when, when you fly the long haul product, wow, honestly, wow. So I got upgraded in, in business class for that leg. And honestly it's one of the best business products i've experienced uh i wow. mean the hard products of the seat uh probably uh, over star lions uh singapore airlines must be better probably swiss the new swiss one must be pro- probably swiss edging looks great but this is better than lufthansa the new lufthansa is wow. I, I really dislike what they've done so it's they don't it's talk a great, about it do they product. no i'm not
1: really they're not Maybe. doing what Finnair do and and Saying come up to Helsinki and, and enjoy because they've got the A350, so they've been doing a big marketing push. Perhaps that's what I'm thinking about. But you never hear SAS saying fly through Copenhagen. But they have they have uh, a
0: bad, some somewhat of a bad rep. You know, flag carrier. Uh, they're not. A, they don't have a big fleet. They had also financial issues at some point, even because you just mentioned that. At some point, uh, there were there were the rumors that Finnair wanted to acquire SAS, so meaning that you know they were not in such a good place. And now they're pushing with this new product. You could feel that, you know. The crew was was good, honestly, but it was still a bit of the old style flag carrier stigma. We're not talking about an Asian Airlines or a Middle Eastern Airlines. It's still a little bit but it was it was great. The the IFE is really, really, really solid. They have stuff like, you know, how these airlines you know they put like these weird jack connectors if you want to use your oh, own ad God, code that drives me it, crazy but then they made everything simple There were usb when multiple jacks you want on the screen and one next to your seat so they made everything easy for you if you want to use your own devices that's fine that's i tried the wi-fi the wi-fi was working as well it was free in, in front and you had to pay a little or something if you were behind so uh, really really cool product so uh I will encourage you to try. It's only the A330-300 that has a new product for long haul. All the others don't. And on the way back, connected uh, through Oslo, which is the airport we're going to cover at the end of the show. Uh, And again, from Oslo to London, you could feel that plane was at 737. I think it was like uh, 45 years old. I'm kidding, obviously, but that was really the old product. This is what I meant when I kind of had reminisce from Turkish, you know, where they have all these products that come yeah. But I mean, it was cool. Talking about this, the Scandinavia, to show that, you know, they are, you know, although they have very solid economies, it's hard for them. And I just learned that Estonia uh, Air, uh, so from Estonia, obviously, uh, just went basically bankrupt. So to show that it's not easy, I know that Finair had also problems. Like you just said, Finair is now pushing to be this kind of hub to Asia. And you're thinking about using them, by the way, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Finair is very competitive uh, from... London, but here's the crazy thing from Lon- London, Helsinki, Singapore and then I'm going up to Shanghai and coming back, that round trip was very competitive if you just leave out of Helsinki that has a thousand pounds onto the price mm, I don't wow. really understand how that works by origin- uh, originating in, in Heathrow, but still going through Helsinki and jumping on the same plane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you save a thousand pounds, but um, yeah, one of those legs is the A350 which, which looks good, it's this ah, uh, uh, looky you yeah, so we'll see. I haven't booked it yet. There's a few uh, few options I'm looking at, um, as you know. <laughs> it's kind of I become know. a mild obsession of mine. But yeah, I'm excited to try them out. I've only flown them short haul.
0: Yeah, because we've been discussing about booking flights for the last week almost daily. Because yeah. I was booking my next trip, which I'll come to later as well. Oh, yeah. And one thing that was really interesting, because I sent you a picture, it's the first time I haven't had a three-point seatbelt uh on on that seat so i know that because i've been told by a friend i forgot who, who told me that apparently united and Cathay have this system as well but i never had you know i was looking at like, what it's like a car basically if you want to understand what the three point is it's very strange right yeah uh, it, is, it is strange but you can remove the third so you can remove the one it's uh, on your chest you can remove it after takeoff uh so there's a, a I
1: separation think it's because um they're not they're not it's not a herringbone format right it's, no, no, no. So I think it's because there's nothing in front of you w- for you to brace against. Probably. Like the, the normal brace position is you put your hands or your head up against the seat in front of you, and you don't have that in in those types of layout. But, um, yeah, it's, I, I always think that's interesting because you've got the three-point, and then on the herringbones, a lot of them have the airbag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, the airbag. You're right. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, so it was on the A333, uh, which is a pretty popular airplane. Air in popular uh, Airbrush just announced their results. So they, they, I, saw, I was following the, the results on Twitter. Uh, there were many people that were actually tweeting about it. And the CEO sounded, I mean, the entire people that were actually announcing the results sounded extremely confident because they announced pretty cool numbers
1: they did They did announce some some very strong numbers in in very specific sections and glossed over the areas where they are not doing so well, but in terms of two thousand and fifteen they they really did kind of outperform Boeing on a lot of areas yeah uh, in the single aisle. The seven thirty seven outsold the regular A three twenty, but the the neo smashed the seven thirty seven max sixty seven percent, and the three twenty one. Wow. This is crazy. The three twenty one neo picked up ninety eight point three percent of the market against the seven three seven nine. Now, granted, the seven three seven nine isn't really a thing because Boeing have other products that fill in that that niche. Boeing's dominance in the twin engine wide, wide body twin engine that's a very mm-hmm. important differentiation is. Is a lot bigger. I mean, they're they're still doing well, and that's because of Boeing's freighter. The seven 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 and the seven sixty seven freighter markets are so so strong. But Airbus don't even have a freighter program. Boeing owned ninety five percent of that market. Oh wow! I, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just as smashing. And this, what's interesting about this whole order book for for twenty fifteen for Airbus is it sounds very positive. It sounds very bullish. But Liam. Uh, news, which is a great website, they have a fairly controversial reputation, but they do do good analytical work. And they've gone through this with a fine-tooth comb and, and kind of reiterated a lot of the positives that Airbus have come out with, but also highlighted some of the negatives that obviously Airbus didn't talk about. And that what I find interesting here is the A350, and I mentioned this to you the other day Yeah, when I saw these numbers, how are the a three hundred and thirty? and the A350 going to compete the A330 is performing as you say incredibly well mm-hmm. the uh, specifically the A33900 yep not the A33800 oh, they didn't right, have yep, a single 20, order yep. but interestingly the A350 the sales on that have stalled yeah that's that's also I was curious about that one there were only sixteen orders, gross orders, in twenty fifteen, and nineteen cancellations in or, in favor of the A three thirty nine hundred. So people were saying, "I don't want the three hundred and fifty anymore. I want this new three thirty that you've you've just released." One of the main reasons for this, apparently, is that the backlog for A three hundred and fifty extends through twenty twenty. Yeah, it's very long, apparently. So if you want one, you're going to have to wait at you know four to five years, but. Boeing, ha- you know, for the 787 which is a 350's competing product, they also have a, lo- a long backlog, but they're cranking out planes quickly and quicker than they thought. Qu- much quicker than they thought, and they're still they still racked up 100 new orders for the airplane in 2015. It feels like they spent a lot of time marketing the 380 and uh, Liam that, yeah. has also kind of figured this out and it's not working. Yeah, it's not working. I mean, they had no sales. They had they had no so, sales. So the CEO, the
0: CEO during the presentation said that there were three that were on order now from an undisclosed buyer. Uh, we don't know what it is. We don't. It could be VIP. Could be. We have no idea if it's actually a firm order. He said that. He said he was very happy with the program. He said that the program, the A380 program, was break even. Although he added that apparently it's break even because of the exchange rate between the euro and the dollar, that which is. means that, you know, you know it's, it's not as if it just more than, you know, it sells like fire because it doesn't. I mean, yeah. we know that Emirates has a shit ton of, of them in, in order. If you look at the, the order book, but no one else is buying it. There was a rumor that ANA was about to uh, place orders for the A380, uh, but apparently this is highly disputed that it might just be thin air.
1: We're not sure. Yeah, they, I, I'm not sure what to make of this because there's a lot of sources saying that because of the SkyMark acquisition, they've they've cut a deal to get these uh, these A380s that have been in limbo for years, really. Yeah, that were made, that were manufactured. The, fr- the airframes exist; they're built; they're sitting in a ha- in, in storage somewhere. Uh, And then there was this solid thing saying that they were going to, the ANA as part of this deal, we're going to get the A380s and they were going to expand to Hawaii, et cetera, et cetera. And then ANA came out and said, that's not entirely true. And that's it. They didn't say anything else. So.
0: Maybe they're dis- discussing uh, a, a big discount. As long as they don't yeah, have the big discount, in you know, uh, something like that. But they have a lot of uh, orders in the book because it's, I think they, they reach almost 7,000 planes that they're going to deliver through 2020 or something. Yeah.
1: It's pretty really amazing. I, I think for me, the takeaway on this is Boeing and Airbus are both doing extremely well and between the two of them, they're competing on almost all airframe types. Some you know, some Airbus is winning, some Boeing is winning, but they're both doing extremely well. Yeah, it's true.
0: And uh, Boeing, just that people know, Boeing will announce its own financial results, I think, January 27th. So probably by the next time we, we record, we'll have also well, a segment a good, of yeah. them. Uh interestingly, uh Ethro uh was uh, disclosed their numbers for last year, so they also had a like a very good year. Uh but the, 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 the tidbit that really made me interested is that they added one point six million passengers and most of them actually came because of the A three eighty, so basically because of Emirates, let's be honest. Airbus during this financial results said that eight percent of the traffic of Ethereum comes from A three eighties. That's incredible, isn't it? So it really solves the issue for a, a capacity airport like Heathrow to have these bigger jets. Yeah. Because uh, though I don't see it, you know, growing at some point if no one buys any A380s anymore, I mean, it's not going to happen. No. But you said you found a story about Virgin Atlantic.
1: Yeah, this about- this really surprised me. Apparently Virgin Atlantic is going to order up to 12 a350, which I, I don't think uh, anybody expected this. There was t- They were evaluating the 350 and the 777 as a way to replace the, the 747s, which which breaks my heart because they formed the backbone of, of Virgin's operation since day one. Um, and it sounds like they've landed on the 350. Virgin Atlantic are, are doing better. Now, I think on the back of this relationship with Delta, they're starting to post profit. They've done some cuss cutting. I haven't flown on them for about eight months, but you know they're still they're still virgin. I still have a soft spot in my heart for them. Of course. (laughs) But they could get them as early as 2018 or or, or 2019. And the speculation is that these A380 orders that they had on the books and kept putting off and kept putting off and kept putting off, frankly, because they couldn't afford them, will then convert to 350s, which means they'll jump the queue a little bit for for these 350s. But, boy, those planes will look great in a Virgin Atlantic livery.
0: Uh One more news about Airbus. It was not mentioned during the results, but I found it interesting. We mentioned many times in the show, uh people using drones and having near misses at airports. And Airbus is actually introducing a technology within aircrafts that allow, so it's not lasers, you know, it's not going to destroy a drone in front of you, but apparently <laughs> allows to take control of a drone or to have... To make them change routes in front of them, so that's I don't know exactly cool. how it works. I'll put the link in the show notes. But that's an interesting thing that shows, first of all, that it's an actual problem because if Airbus invests money in having such a system, that much may not be uh, cheap. That means it, it, it is an actual problem. But that they're doing that is actually pretty interesting. So it's uh, I don't know whether it was if it's ever ever going to be bought by airlines. But I think it's it's a very interesting thing that uh, that, that they do. Moving on to another announcement that was uh, our favorite entertainer in the airline <laughs> <laughs> the qatar airways ceo so they had a oppressor because they launched a new route through lax so los angeles uh, and of course as always al baker was not short of words against everybody basically <laughs> he is something else <laughs> is uh so he attacked uh delta He attacked American. And interestingly, he attacked American uh, because Delta, you know, it's been these war words back and forth. American, you know, like you said many times yourself, Alex, American was always more quiet of the three about this entire thing. And you know that Qatar was is part of one world, same as BA, same, of course, as American. And basically, Al Baker said, you know what, guys, if you guys American, you're not happy, you can leave one world. Or if you don't want to leave one world, we'll leave one world and we'll take a few others with us and we'll make a smaller, a new alliance. What the
1: hell? Yeah, it's extraordinary. I'm amazed that he, that people will work with him. He's like the, the Larry Ellison and the Mr. Burns of, of uh, the, the airline world uh he also said
0: that the new uh so that's interesting so there we know that they have a new project for new business seats he says that he will be arriving the businesses will offer full privacy so it might almost be a, a, a first class Odd, seat. yeah but the people were almost obviously talking about what happened in the back uh and for years qatar was always like we always on the seven seventh. we only have nine abreast nine seats yeah. on each row they are going on ten seats because at the end he said so. Qatar ways is about making money, but where is interesting is that passengers will not notice the difference. Only airline journalists will
1: will do. <laughs> he is working hard to piss off everybody. <laughs> Absolutely, it's uh, it's really fun. Uh, so.
0: Yeah, he also, yeah, he also yeah, countered attacks as supposedly it was, in, you know, the old alcohol situation. He says, yeah, we are Qatar Airways. We're the biggest alcohol distributor in Qatar. Uh, <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> he, and, of course, he ended by saying, oh, by the way, we do not discuss strategy with journalists. You know, that's dissing pretty much everyone. Now, and I think you've tried. So you tried booking in Qatar, right? You're also looking at that as an option, correct?
1: Yeah, I've, tr- I've tried their website. It's it's
0: Okay. Uh, so apparently, uh, and you'd be able to, to know that if you try again, because you haven't booked yet, apparently now, or maybe it's already there, you can see all the amenities when you book. That includes, of course, the usual Wi-Fi stuff, but even the, they'll tell you the, the seat width, the leg room. That tell you uh, every, like every single detail about your flight before you book. I mean, oh, some websites good. have some, but apparently they will go like even further and add everything there. It means they have confidence in their product. But yes. You, a lot of airlines kind of, kind of hide, you know, the, the size of the seat because like they know it's scrap basically. So, um going to the U.S. to that other airline that is being bashed by, Qataris, uh, United. And you found a very interesting article.
1: Yeah, Bloomberg have done this fantastic article. It came out just yesterday. That's <laughs> It's called United's Quest to be Less Awful. And it's just sort of looked at their Annus Horribilis of 2015 and dissected really a, a strong analysis of of why I always bash them. It's just been this catalog of errors and and frankly a lot of it bad luck not all not not all of it but there's some things it's like you get a new ceo he looks really really sharp and he's he's making change and he's the unions like him the staff like him the customers like him he's he's really distilled the the problems into into solvable problems and not just oh well that's how it works and then the poor guy has a massive heart attack yeah he's on leave for a couple of weeks and then it goes quiet over Christmas. It turns out on January 6th, he had a heart transplant. Munoz, the, this, the new CEO, had a heart and he's come, transplant. And he, he will come back. So that's, They that's say the, he's coming back. I would be flabbergasted if he came back. I just can't see an it has job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I hope for him. I hope. Yeah, he of course. You
0: fast. hope. I hope he comes back because he's a very bright guy. But it's true when you read that, it's like wow. You know, it's a they cannot get a break. Honestly, uh, but honestly, this 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 merger with Continental has been pretty much a disaster.
1: Yeah, it's it hasn't been run well. I mean, Continental wasn't a bad product. It wasn't. And, yeah. and I think that they there was this hope that Continental would bring some of its customer service attitude into united and that just hasn't happened a lot of those things have actually been actively discouraged a- and you know so there's a there's an example here saying cont- former continental employees say they've been discouraged from giving out va- vouchers to placate unhappy customers <sighs> why would you why would you do that? You know, why would you? Uh, you know, uh, one of your staff is is trying to make amends for something that's gone wrong, and I just don't. It's going to take a long time for these guys to, to to figure it out. They've got operational issues with delays that are endemic across their entire domestic route. But this article, and I strongly encourage you to read it, is a really good overview overview analysis of 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 how it's of how it's working. Yeah, and you uh, know or it, not? Yeah, a lot yeah,
0: of working. It's a long way to go because there's been a lot of stories last year, like including you know, the the forgot to bring a wheelchair to a plane, and the poor person. I remember if it was a he or she had to crawl outside of the plane. I mean, come I know, on, disgusting. what are we talking about? It's disgusting. Exactly. Uh, to go back to a quote from Al Baker, our favorite, "We do not fly old crap secondhand airplanes."
1: That's what he says about. Like, <laughs> well, I think that's true <laughs> as well. I think you know it's. It's – there's a, a, an interesting little graph uh, that's put together from data from the American Consumer Satisfaction Index showing in the last 20 years the, the, the customer satisfaction levels of the three major airlines in the US. And United in 1995 was top of the heap and uh, you see this sort of meteoric rise of Delta in the last 10 years to be head and shoulders above both American and United. But for me, the most interesting trend here – in the last five to seven years, both American and Delta have trended up substantially. Yeah, and I think this is uh, it. Kind of this interprets U.S. Airways data as well as American data. Delta's top of the heap. United are trending downwards, mm-hmm. which is pretty hard to do. <laughs> and to be honest, you know, I'm a, like I said earlier,
0: I'm a Starline uh, sort of gold status, uh, so senator. It's called on uh, on Lufthansa. And it's sad because I, I avoid United. Uh, they're part of my alliance, but on purpose, I avoid them. And then, you know, probably losing. So the L. Miles freaks will tell me, Paul, you're crazy. But you know what? I just don't like their product. And I know I'll end up having issues. And I hope it changes because I don't want to hate United. Yeah, <laughs> I just avoid them at all costs. And it's it's I find it yeah. sad that they They,
1: they have perfected the art of sucking. Yeah.
0: Talking about product, uh, since we're between these ME3 and the US3, uh, so uh, Etihad which is also a company you're thinking about using.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you really want to try all the I do want to try the, the the premium product and the Middle Eastern carriers. Yeah,
0: I, I, I get it. So I've never done Qatar. I hope you do. I've, I've done both the others, but the, sadly not the very last product from uh, from Etihad. But one of the big things for our friends in the U.S., it was actually Etihad was flying in the U.S. A lot of the planes they had a, a co-chair with, um, Jet Airways which is an Indian company, they were actually flying the Jet Airways planes, the 777-300ER, to, uh, for instance, San Francisco. So basically, you were buying an Etihad ticket, but you'd find in a very different kind of product, which has nothing to do with the product that they offer. But finally had has come out and said, you know what, we're going to introduce our own 777-200 long range, I think they're, they're introducing. So it, you will be, guys, especially in San Francisco, and we have a lot of friends in San Francisco, if you try it, you'll finally be able to uh, t- to test the real hard product. So let us know what you think.
1: Yeah, which is good because San Francisco
0: Abu Dhabi is not a short flight. Uh, really, really not. Uh, Talking about co-chairs, you know, Etihad, the strategy of Etihad is to buy a lot of equity in other airlines. That's how they're growing in Europe and elsewhere. And they had bought uh, stakes in er Berlin, so in Germany. Interestingly, a German court just ruled that Etihad and er Berlin were not allowed to co-chair. And that actually destroys Etihad's strategy in Germany. It's strange, it's, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what to think about this. Is, uh, maybe, it's a clearly an anti-competition uh, ruling. Do you but think it's protectionism? In, it's hard to say. There might be protectionism. Maybe it's part of that spot. You know, the EU, so yeah. European countries against the Middle East. So you you know, we know that Amsterdam was not willing to give new slots to Emirates. We know that there are stuff like that happening. So, you know, I don't know. Could be. Though usually, you know, the courts are independent. Let's not, we're not, you know, you know, some banana republic where, you know, True. You just ask the court to do whatever they want. But, you know, they might be, or maybe Etihad just didn't do the competition correctly, the, the agreements. I don't know exactly. But anyway, that's bad news for, for for Etihad. I'm sure they will appeal that decision, but still, it's uh, it's bad news for them. Uh, and there was, uh, on Airline Reporter, there was a very interesting article, again, for our friends in the US that want to try because they listen to us talking about these airlines and it's true that you cannot fly them from all cities. There was uh, an article about guessing where Emirates, Qatar, and Etihad would expand uh, in 2016
1: in the US. It's pretty interesting. Have you have you read it, Alex? Yeah, really interesting. And there was a lot of debate about this article on airliners.net, right. breaking it down By each uh, each each of the carriers and seeing where they're going to go next, Uh, and I I think it's a really great analysis. And they even end the article with odds on each city for uh, for me three growth, but they're focusing on ones that have that have no service. Uh, I I think I would be amazed if the next Qatar Airways destination isn't San Francisco. Yeah, because Emirates and Etihad already fly there. And it's a great connection to India. And there's a, there's a lot. There's a huge Indian expat population in, in San Francisco Bay Area. So I, I think that will be huge. A lot of the people think, uh, Detroit, Detroit will be the next. And Denver. And Denver and Minneapolis. It seems like the three, but they even, they call, they call Detroit a no brainer. Yeah, it's interesting, but
0: th- we know there's a lot of competition in Detroit, so maybe that's also why. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting.
1: The, Royal uh, Jordan. I didn't know Royal Jordanian already fly there, and apparently there's a there's a really large uh, Middle Eastern population in in the Detroit area. I didn't I didn't know that, but apparently this is this is just a no brainer. And I've flown Royal Jordanian. It's not. You know, it's not there.
0: It's uh, an older product, so it cannot yet compete with. I say yet because I figure some of these other countries in the Middle East will react at some point or might react at some point. Yeah. But they have. Jordanian to. is not there yet. It's not comparable to the service you get at Qatar. He had our uh, obviously Emirates. Anyway, good, uh, interesting articles. If you live in the US, you want to see the odds for your city. They all listed there. Uh, so uh, like you said, not the main hubs, mostly cities that, you know, have no service, but it's interesting for you guys, for anyone who lives there. So now back to a more emotional state of mind for us, for Alex and myself. Another 747 gets retired. This time it's Air France. It's the last ever 747 for Air France was retired. They did a big ceremony. So thank you guys at Air France. It was really nice. It was at the, uh, I think it was at uh, Charles de Gaulle. So they had, of course, the press and media. They did, you know, the firefighter came. They did like this whole parade for them for the last flight. So it was really, really nice. Of course, we're not happy to see another 747 disappear. They also made a video, I'll put it on the show notes, a two-minute video that shows, the 40 years of the relationship between the 747 and Air France, you see the uniforms that they used to be, the staff, you see, of course, a life within the aircraft. It's it's nice. It's, it's a fitting it, tribute?
1: tribute. You know, the send-off. Are, yeah, are really nice it is it is nice. They did a lovely, very respectful job. And I yeah. think they, re- they really acknowledge... How critical that airplane has been in their existence. Yeah. And uh, another article that I concurrently found as well
0: was, in a, uh, I encourage you to, to take a look. It's, it's called Then and Now 45 Years of Boeing 747 Passenger Experience. And it's pretty f- fun to see these pictures of how it was, you know, 747. 40 years ago, 45 years ago, 30 years ago, it, says it it shows the evolution of how the, it's true. You can see that the seats are kind of
1: <laughs> in the back
0: and becoming like less big, obviously. So it has these old pictures and diagrams from, uh, you know, the, the seat maps, the, where seat grew wasn't a thing. So, uh, it's a very, very nice one. And you know what? The, the thing I really like for the 747 and I haven't had the chance to flying one in three years. So I really, that really sucks. Oh, wow. I really want to go once last time in the nose. You know, it's the only airplane where you can basically fly in the nose when you're yeah. like in the very front and I really want to do that.
1: Yeah, they uh, well, I mean, if you ever fly on PA, then you're not going to have to worry about that because they have an extraordinary amount of, of 747 still left in their fleet and no plans to retire them anytime soon. Yeah, you found that. It was a fascinating list you found. So there's a guy on Reddit on the slash aviation subreddit who who does two things. He He puts together these pictorial histories of, of individual airframes. So he like track a seven twenty seven from when it was delivered to all of the airlines that it served. And, you know, it's ended up as a hotel or a house or it's now beer cans, but he does a really (laughs) good job of, of tracking down the stories and the histories. But then he also does this thing where he looks at uh, this particular Imger gallery of, all of the modern airliner airframes and who op, who is the biggest operator of the type and yeah. so everything from the a318100 which is uh, Airbus's baby jet all of the uh, a3x2x variants the 330s who the biggest operators are for each one and I there's some some surprises in here some no-brainers does yeah British Airways still have forty seven seven four sevens. And we we said if it was a few episodes ago. We said
0: that they're actually refurbishing them, so they're repainting them, their livery. They're actually changing the seats, the product, the hard product inside. So they're actually expanding their life. They're expanding their life. Uh, people say by actually ten years, which is bad news for the A380, by the way, because that means the British Airways will not buy anymore. <laughs> yeah. but it's good for us because we. I mean, sadly, I don't have much status on BEA, the, uh, and they are like we said at the very beginning of the show, expensive from London. But I will make an effort one day. I really want to fly last time a seven four seven. Of course, Lufthansa has the new Wonder the eight hundred, so that would be also fun to to fly. Uh, we'll we'll have to we'll have to find a way, Alex, and you and me to fly together in a seven four seven. Yeah, exactly. So on one of these retirement trips. One of the, the features that you know, as a kid, I remember the seven forty seven because back then you could easily go into the the cockpit uh, you know you would invite and stuff there were three operators you know there were three people in the cockpit uh which is now of course almost non-existent anymore you have two people but we recently learned that in the eu but they are thinking about a new regulation for uh, air traffic that would actually allow uh, aircrafts to be flown by a single pilot. So, meaning you'll have only one single person. One clear strategy here is cost cutting because if you remove one person, and suddenly, of course, well, it's you know, it's great great news from maybe their shareholders because they'll have you know less costs because salaries are a big cost in in like in any industry, but in the airline industry especially. But what I found a little peculiar is that the other argument that the EU is putting forward is that it's a safety thing. So I don't, I'm not convinced how you can enhance safety by removing a pilot. So I'm not saying that at some point we won't have like you know the electronics taking yeah. over, blah, blah blah blah. But don't tell me that it's a good excuse, especially after what happened. And I know it was a single
1: accident, but a year after uh, German Wings, yeah. Uh, what do you think? I yeah, the vast majority of me thinks this is a terrible idea, but there are some instances where I think you could make a case for it, and one of them is co- the Cockpit Resource Management obviously uh, argument, which is in some cultures you never question authority, and that has led to accidents. And it was yeah, the one previous example:
0: uh, Korean Air was that Korean that? Air,
1: yeah. Asiana, in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, as recently, we've, you're as right. we've talked about in length, that was uh, it wasn't the only factor, but one of the main factors was this was this cockpit resource management and the first officer's reluctance to to challenge the uh, decisions of the of the captain. So, yeah, but more
0: would... often than not, this was solved by a lot of the airlines have solved this issue in a lot of where in Asia, to be honest, yeah. was uh, was bringing a foreign CEO, was bringing an Alex Hunter, and Alex Hunter would kind of bring well switch language to English in the cockpit, which also you know the language itself kind of helps because. Uh, Especially American English has this more like neutral position about who's the the boss who who's not, but also have maybe a different culture. Do you really think that? We should solve, you know, this hierarchy issues by removing.
1: Absolutely not. I just think that that's an argument that people would put forward. If there's one person in the cockpit, then you're not going to have any decisions. Uh, I, I, but there's, you know, the, <laughs> the, the quick rebuttal to that is if you don't have anybody else to challenge bad decisions, then you're, you could you have more disasters. Yeah. How, many, how many accidents have not happened because a, a first officer did speak up and say, I disagree with this action? Yeah, well, they work together as well. Yeah. They're working
0: together I, I, on, in terms of uh, emergency, you know, you have a lot of huge checklists to go through and you have to work. And we've seen a lot in, sadly, when you have accidents, and when you listen to the, the, the voice uh, recordings, mm. you see how pilots are working together on making sure if everything is right to land a plane. So then again, this law for people that needs to be reassured would be only for short haul. It would not be for long haul, but still. The planes,
1: because that's the other thing. Are the planes ready? Apparently, some of them are. Yeah, the C-Series, uh, which has not had an auspicious start to its life. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think you found this in article originally uh, in, a, in a Canadian uh, aeronautics journal, that the C-Series was originally designed and conceived to be a single-pilot aircraft. Which is really interesting. I think there are quite a few airplanes. The Pilatus PC-12, which is a propeller airplane, but it's a high-performance turbine Mm -hmm. uh, executive aircraft, is absolutely flyable by one person. But this is a twin-engine jet airplane, passenger airplane that we've we've kind of been following its progress since it was uh, still on the drawing board. It was designed to be a single-pilot airplane. Whether or not any operator would ever do that has yet to be seen. And in fact, because of the way that the regulations are set up in Canada, it, it can't be certified as a single engine airplane yet. But the technology and the way that the, the airplane was designed can accommodate that if the regulatory framework changes in the future, which I think is really interesting.
0: So, you know, it might be actually a trend that is very early on, but at some point, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure, and again, coming back to the economical aspect, I'm sure that... Some airlines, especially low cost, would be very happy yeah, to absolutely. have, single, you know, a uh, single pilot. No, no good news for the pilots. That's sad no. that, that, that bit. And for us, because you know, it's kind of nice to have. I'm, I have nothing against that. Uh, one day having a self-driving, self-flying plane or whatever, but there's this sort of culture that goes with having a pilot and having, you know. Uh, by the way, yeah, and I, I'll continue with the, with the story about pilots. But it was very interesting. I'm almost certain. I'm uh, way from New York to Oslo. I'm pretty certain the they invited someone in the cockpit for landing.
1: I so I think that, that could get someone thrown in jail unless it was flight crew. So the off person, was, the yeah, of
0: crew. course, I must have been that because the person, of course, was dressed normally. Oh, no, hold, hold on. Actually, no, no. It was on the... Yeah, because I was jealous. It was actually when I was landing in Newark. Mm. Thanks to you, by the way, because I chose Newark because I wanted to see that uh, New York skyline. Newark yes, York so you got a about spectacular we're, view going. And through. I was really happy to be on the, on the, on the correct side of the plane. So, yes, yeah, they invited someone. So, probably you're right. Probably must have been because there's no way, especially in the U.S., that you invite... Uh, someone from like on uh, Alex or a Paul to, to the cockpit. I mean, yeah, we sadly. would love it. We would love it, but it it doesn't, it doesn't happen anymore. Uh, so, but another article that goes into that direction in talking about pilots, it was a bit worrying, but I want to have your take that the, the title is actually self-explanatory
1: says pilots are losing their flying skills says U S report. So yeah, this, this came from the U S transportation department and it, it's a, it's a very detailed report, but the, the kind of takeaway is that, that American, U.S. airline pilots aren't keeping up their actual flying skills because of the level of automation that's in, involved. So they're not ready and able to take control of an airplane if something happens, which is a little bit alarming. And I'm sure that the distillation of the of the report by the media is going to be a little bit alarmist. Obviously. But I can see why. Uh, They're not 100% sure how often pilots fly manually these days, which obviously you need to do to keep up those actual flying skills. And so the FAA have suggested to airlines that they tweak their training programs to keep the focus on manual flying skills, which it does make sense, right? You know, there were also the accident from Air France,
0: was it 447? Were the pilots completely understanding what the plane was telling them, you know, and it is so, mm-hmm. so it's a bit hard to judge, you know, whether or not it's really the pilots are losing their skills, or they just maybe need to be better trained to understand what the plane is telling them. It exactly. Could be any, any of those. Yeah, and since we mentioned the, um, uh, I mentioned the German Wings uh, disaster of last year, although it's not completely related, I've also learned, uh, still talking about pilots, that Germany is now implementing mandatory drug tests for pilots. Yeah, I think it's Im- important, and I'm surprised that it hasn't happened Exactly. Before. That was my first reaction. <laughs> it was like, oh, was it not that a thing already? Apparently, there'll be random testings. It's not as if you'll know, they'll have to be tested at every flight before every uh, a single flight, but but I have no, honestly, uh, knowledge of how it happens in other countries, and we're not talking about illegal drugs. We're even talking about, you know, substances that can make you maybe feel a bit dizzy or fall asleep. Yeah. So yeah, I was surprised as well. Talking about sadly another crash, the the plane that disappeared, amh 370 uh, So they haven't found the plane yet. Uh, they're still looking for it. It will take forever, apparently. It costs a lot of money. But interestingly, so. They found uh, a shipwreck in the in the zone they were looking. Uh, they're looking for. Yeah. But the fun bit is what we learn is that apparently that part of the ocean, that part of Earth, actually they're looking, is less known than the moon. It's it's, criti- it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Isn't, is, isn't it? You know, it's the first time that we actually, because we're looking for that plane, that we actually are studying what happens. And suddenly they found these old shipwreck. It's fascinating that we are learning things through. A sad story, which is the, the disappearance of that plane. I don't know. if we'll, Do you think we'll ever find it? I don't know. It seems to be less and less hopeful. But I mean, it's a good thing that we keep looking. That's a part of what we do as humans, I guess. Or, um, But in talking about uh, safety, so we talked about the pilots. We talked about Sally playing, playing that crash. But there was this story that when you and me read it, we're like,
1: what? <laughs> <laughs> I still can't figure out how this happened. But apparently... After flying for forty minutes, someone noticed the plane's door was (laughs) open. How did that happen? It wasn't. I don't think it was for forty minutes. There's no way, but it was a. It was a Jin Air, which is a subsidiary of Korean Air, was flying from Cebu in the Philippines to Busan in in South Korea. It was a seven sixty seven, I think. The pictures of a seven (laughs) sixty seven, but that doesn't necessarily or triple seven. Um. Anyway. They had reached 10,000 feet, which is about when, the pre- when you pressurize. And the sta- flight staff heard a noise and realized the front left door was not fully shut. Well, what? There are it's indicators exactly on the flight deck that would have been going absolutely mental, yes. mental had this happened because you, you 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 can see there's like on the on the multifunction displays on the flight deck of any modern airplane there is one diagram that shows the status of all the doors that you're looking at to see if the cargo doors have been closed and the passenger doors have been closed how did this ever happen i don't know I how did know this point. happen
0: i mean it was- like this was a usual tabloid treatment. So we're not sure about what happened. And we didn't look. But I mean, when we read that, I was like, "No, this is not possible." I mean, come on. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe there's a further story that we ever heard. It was not as like you said, about 40 minutes. But still, uh, India has also had to turn a plane back. They cannot get a break. What was it? Uh,
1: there was a rat on the airplane. <laughs> Multiple rats. I mean, this. Yeah, again, like you say, Air India. I think if it had anybody had airline, any other airline, everybody would have just gone, "Oh my god, that's a... Air India." People are like, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. still looking at
0: an animal. Um, there was a Bangkok airport. Uh, there was a snake that was on the luggage cart baggage claim, and. They had to apologize for it. Yeah, obviously, there's a snake in the freaking Oh my goodness. I mean, I wish. These are fun stories. I mean, they don't change the world of hair travel, but I still find them pretty funny to
1: read. So I actually realized at the bottom of my show notes that I uh, found a theory about that oh, go ahead. Plane. A pilot to, on on the wonderful avherald.com said, I would bet that the rig of the door might have been just off a little bit, which could allowed, uh, have allowed one of the latch rollers on the door not to properly engage and would prevent the door from from getting into its frame properly. And that, in turn, would prevent the airplane from pressurizing. However, the door warning switches would indicate a closed door on the uh-huh. flight deck, and the emergency slide would engage into its fitting with no issues. From inside the plane, all indications would be normal, and the door would, be, would seem to be closed to the crew. Uh-huh. So you can see how the flight deck crew might have thought, Of course, the doors are closed, Um, and then it just sort of popped when they tried to pressurize it. So, well, yeah, crazy. But to reassure all the people that are
0: listening to us that you know are maybe afraid of flying, though, I'm not sure that's our core audience, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, yeah. 2015 was the safest year on record. So we said, of course, that it feels yeah. a bit scarier because especially of that there are things that have been happening in the last bit of 2015. But if you look at the statistics and they matter, it's actually very safe to fly. So guys, keep flying. It's actually not too bad. Airlineratings.com. They do every year uh ratings about you know what are the safest airlines. Qantas, obviously, comes on top like every single year because they're probably the oldest in terms of age and they haven't had any major accident ever. So they always come on top. But they've done another list as well. That's interesting. I'll put the link in the show notes with the low cost because there's always this kind of fear. Oh, low costs. You know, it's low cost or it's low maintenance. That's not true. First of all, most of the low costs have newer planes. Very Well, maintained, so it's actually not true. There's also a list, go check that list if you want to be reassured about um, your next uh, destination. <laughs> Talking about low cost, low cost, long haul is the kind of the holy grail everybody is looking the at, thing, isn't it? Yeah. And you mentioned wow, so wow is apparently uh, introducing uh trips from San Francisco to Europe for 199 US dollars. Wow, you know what? I'm so I, I will probably go to Iceland. So Wow is an Iceland-based airline. I'm probably go to Iceland for uh, holidays, just a f- uh, weekend, uh, in a few months. So I'm gonna maybe uh, fly them. I want to see what they air, what it's all about. What is Wow Air all about? And yeah. I'll let
1: you guys know. I'd be very interested to hear
0: what it's uh, like. Which, by the way, makes me think that all that you know, all these areas, I so was at both Oslo and Copenhagen. You know what? Which airline I saw the most? Norwegian, oh, yeah. I, uh, they are growing it's like crazy. crazy. All the ads were about them, and half of the aircrafts on the ground were them. So it's crazy, really. I haven't flown them yet, but I mean, I will definitely have to try because it's uh They also offer like very, very, very competitive prices to the US and back for those who do these kind of uh, these kind of routes. You found an app that's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's called Cedar Roo. and I I would love to hear from anybody in the airline industry what they think about this, but. It allows you to swap seats with somebody else on your flight and get paid for it. So if you're if they're stuck in a, you know, the last row where the plane tapers and the seat doesn't recline and for 20 bucks you're willing to sit in it for 90 minutes, you now have this peer-to-peer marketplace where you can do that. And I, I want to hear from airlines because this sounds like it would be a bit yeah, of a nightmare. I agree. I don't know. It has to be very, very well integrated because honestly, if
0: people start swapping seats as soon as they arrive in the plane, that's going to be just like you said. And also, safety wise in terms of we want to be sure whose passengers. Sometimes, you know, they, they even shout in the PA system, keep your seats. You can switch seats after we take off. There's a reason for that, right? They want to be sure yeah. that everybody's in there, that everybody has their luggages accounted for, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it could be interesting, though. Yeah, maybe people will say, "Okay, I have a crap seat. I want a better one." Another person says, "I don't care about which seats. I just want to have a good deal." So the idea behind it is actually interesting. I don't know if it will ever happen.
1: Yeah, and you would need a you would need a critical mass of people on every flight for it to be worthwhile, yeah. wouldn't you? So it'd be interesting if to it see ever happens, if know. they. Yeah. Uh, So
0: I I kept using all my, you know, I mentioned that I think it was two episodes ago, My all my travel apps, you know, itinerary apps to check, you know, TravelMate, et cetera, et cetera, TripIt. Uh, So I'll keep using them this year, and I'll keep telling you about what I found uh, using them all concurrently. The the four of them, almost five of them, actually. Two things. uh, First, uh, for the first time ever on TripIt Pro, uh, it's a pro feature uh so i'm flying and you're gonna love me for that alex i'm gonna fly for the first time in my life virgin america there LA, you know. to las vegas uh next week and so i bought a flight I, by the way alex i must tell you because it's the first time i book on virgin america what an amazing experience to book on their website i've never seen something
1: yeah like- they've done such a great it's job crazy. with it it's always it's the way that airline exactly. booking should be done. I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm just a it's fan of the amazing. Interface. It's honestly amazing. Guys, fly Virgin America just
0: for that, because you have to try that. So I bought, a, I bought a ticket. Apparently, the price went down, and Tripit says, oh, you could get a refund. And I was like, oh, shit, a refund? So I think, oh, you know, my flight is canceled or something. And actually, no they were monitoring my the price of my ticket and they found that the ticket actually went down and said okay adding the cancelling fee from your earlier flight plus buying the new the new flight could actually get you and he say that pays you uh, trip it for for an entire year, actually. So, hey, here you go. So, it's interesting that they do that. That's a good way of doing it. First time, it. I, I see that kind of alert. And another tidbit about that, Uber, which is the transportation app, you know, your personal chauffeur, uh, is actually thinking of adding such uh, travel features on their app. So, basically... They would be the last mile, of course, or the first mile. You're going to the airport, you're coming back, or you're going to the hotel and coming back. So to have a completely seamless experience, the way they already have, because they have agreements, for instance, with United, on United the app, when you arrive, you can actually within the app book an Uber. But they want to do their own experience on their own app, so you have all your details, and as soon as you arrive, probably they also basically maybe could even follow track Alex plane when you land, and they say, okay, and you know pre-book you. I mean pre-book you pre-order you an uber or something that, that's interesting it could be actually very interesting so they'd be a new player and they have a lot of money so it would be interesting to follow what they do yeah you you remember we talked about this crazy skydeck thing and you said <laughs> yeah this is science
1: fiction and i said this is science fiction yeah but this is an article like in a what do you think so is it science fiction or not well sky so skydeck is this bubble at the top of airplanes that allows you to go up and, and look which we both said would be amazing it's just never going to happen So the, the guy that came up with it, they, they run a aeronautical engineering firm that comes up with solutions for the big players in the industry and retrofits airplanes, et cetera, et cetera. So being able to do this is not out of their, their wheelhouse. They, they know that it's possible. They know that it's, that it's, that's doable and they are already talking to Airbus about it and they said that they can absolutely do it as an OEM product and they're ready as soon as they get an order. Awesome. <laughs> Which, I'm not sure anyone's going to order. But maybe a VIP plane? C- quite possibly. And it could be one of those things that uh, people – the airlines use as a differentiator, right? I mean, we always thought that lounges and showers were never going to be they a are. thing. And here actually, we during are. the
0: results, the financial results of Airbus that we mentioned at the start, the CEO said that, apparently, according to a study they've made, uh, people were ready to pay 20% more just to fly in an A380 over any other aircraft. People are looking for experiences. Maybe, but that would be like the absolutely utmost experience. First of all, Alex and myself would like to test the residence on, you know, Etihad or stuff like that. Etihad, and then yeah. we'll consider having this kind of bubble on the top of an airplane. <laughs> so Etihad, if you're listening to us, you can invite us. We'll be very happy. Or Qatar as well. You know, whoever guys, just invite us. We'll be very happy to test the product. Yeah, just uh, I'm sure we can find well, time course, in our schedules. Of always for flying, we always do. Uh, one thing that uh, <laughs> happened also last week was CES, the big consumer electronic uh, sh- trade show in uh, Vegas, actually. And um, we love our smart luggages, uh, Alex and myself. I mean, <laughs> we're never going to buy one. Uh, actually, a, a friend of mine, Kei Shimada, and I will invite him one of these days. Just bought, you know, the Blue Smart. He just got his, and he's flying yes. a lot like you and me. He's flying all the time, sometimes coach, sometimes business, sometimes, you know, also emerging countries. So I told him, you know, you fly with it for three months, and then you come on the show and you tell us what is it actually the experience, first of the suitcase, but also, yes, security. What do they tell you? Do you have problems with the battery, et cetera, et cetera? Et cetera. But, so, but yeah, see, so there was one, and honestly, honestly just. I mean, it will, uh, your reaction was so funny when I shared that on, on Facebook Messenger. So it's a suitcase that has all these smart things the others do, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to cover it, but it has one more thing. That one more thing is that it tracks you. So basically, when you're walking in an airport, the suitcase actually has a little engine and actually just follows you around.
1: How? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you have? Because that? you have, Alex.
0: You need to have your two phones, so you need to two hands free to whatever. Now, honestly, I, I just don't get it. Plus, it's a call to be stolen or something, or or like in the US, you know, TSA will just smack you down and say this you're your threat to our national security or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I'll put the link in the show notes if you want absolutely this a video. Uh, I'm not sure I want one, but good luck to these guys. Maybe it will be a thing. Maybe in five years. Alex and me will eat our hats and say, oh, well, we were wrong. Everybody has a suitcase that is following them. Um, Two last news about... Yeah. Two few last news about airports. Uh, two airports we actually know well. First, the Dubai. I know it very well. Concourse D is about to open. Alex just released uh, his uh, attache travel show about Dubai. I encourage you to watch it. It's very nice. I Just saw it this morning. We're recording today. On January 15th of 2016. It's a great travel. So congrats, Alex. So, they, And, you. and you, you talk about the airport at the beginning. So I was recognizing the airport. I love it so much. I mean, not always. Concourse D is very different shape. The other shapes, you know, these oblong type of shapes. This one is a more square, apparently mm-hmm. it's very nice. They're looking, so if you live in Dubai, they're looking for people like you and me to actually go and test it. So basically, you know, guinea pigs and go and walk around and tell them what you think if there's any things that don't work in terms of experience. I'll put the link in the show notes. And the second uh, airport is Hong Kong. <laughs> Alex, favorite airport in the world, maybe. And uh, the, new, uh, the new concourse was
1: just inaugurated. It looks great. That means... We need fantastic. to go back and we need to cover it again. Yes, I I am trying to find excuses to go to Hong Kong yeah. always. <laughs> after after Shanghai. It's next door. Yeah, true. My kids will forget what I look
0: it's like. Always, it's a... always next door because I. So uh, I'm finding this huge thing that we're we'll talking the next episode. Like, so yeah, it's next door. Of course, I'll take the plane anyway. Going to Oslo. So Oslo, I was there just last week. Uh, my, I've never actually been in Norway, so I cannot talk about Norway. I will visit. I've been in all the other Scandinavian countries, but not Norway. So I only know the airport. Alex has been to Oslo, so he'll be able to tell you a little bit more about what happens between the airport and the city. Uh, first of all, it's it's. It's actually a very nice airport. I was surprised because so I went online, I was looking for information about the airport. You know, I went to reviews and stuff like that because I had time to lose in in a lounge. And people were actually giving a very, very hard time to Oslo. They, oh, that airport sucks. The staff is rude. And I was like, oh, why did I choose that airport? So I was going there with very low expectations. And it turns out it's actually a very, very good airport. I found it extremely efficient, the design, you know, very Scandinavian, a lot of wood, a lot of, you know, light. It was a very good experience. I didn't find the staff route. So sorry. Maybe it was my experience, but the staff was actually very nice with me. I didn't go into any fast track, whatever. There's one thing talking about fast track that I told you you would love because you have kids. There's a family track. The family track overtakes everyone else at security. That's a great thing, wow. right? So when you reach there, uh, then the airport itself, lots of amenities. It's expensive, but because Scandinavian countries are expensive. So the lounge I went to because I have stadia, I told you I went to the SAS. Gold Lounge, which is equivalent. So, if you have Gold status on Star Alliance, you can go. It's one of the best lounges I've ever seen because it's, you know, it's not. Of course, when we talk about lounges, we talk about Dubai, we talk about I don't know Doha, we talk about this very big of Singapore. These lounges are. Massive and very well done. This is more like a subdued, you know, again, Scandinavian, like not in your face. Very, very good design. Very well thought out. I really liked it. The very good thing, and then I'll let you talk, sorry, because I'm babbling, is was when I was there, we we're talking about Norway. And it was January, obviously, and I arrived and it was 5, 4 a.m. Uh, in the morning. And uh, there was snow and it uh, was like really a very nice landing. I did a video. I hope to put it up at some point because you had all these, you know, the trucks that are uh, removing the snow from the taxiways where like there was a ballet of them and you could just barely see their blinking orange lights. So it was wonderful. But then four hours later, when my other flight back to London was due, you know, in five minutes, I could see the taxiway and the runway in five minutes and you don't see anything. It was snowing, snowing, snowing. It was incredible. Uh, I haven't done that in like fifteen wow. years. So some people know that my mother was from Finland, so I know these kind of, of conditions. But you know, they couldn't even push back. The, there was so much snow that in in a yeah. country that has so, so yeah, much the pilot snow. has had to went on PA and says. Uh sorry because you could you could feel you know the plane kind of shaking, so you could feel they were trying to push it back, they couldn't. They were big. it was too slippery. So they go, well, we'll have to sand the area. Sorry for the inconvenience. So they went to sand it. We were back. And then honestly, the taxiways, I couldn't see the taxiways. We were clearly advancing on snow. They went for a 10-minute de-icing, you know, with that orange kind of liquid they put on the plane it was absolutely fantastic so uh, just for that i would say you know try to go in a no slope because this is as an airline geek it's really fun to have these kind of uh, of
1: landings and takeoffs so what about going to the city yeah it's surprisingly far out from the city the airport it's about 45 kilometers but there's a bunch of different ways to get in which is good there's this um high-speed train service called fly to get which runs every 10 minutes and i think it takes about 20 minutes to get into oslo central station which really is in the in the middle of 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 oslo okay um and that's definitely the best way to do it there's a bus and it's a little cheaper but it takes a while because yeah 46 kilometers it's not not a short distance but that it is surprisingly far up but you do get to go through this like beautiful norwegian countryside to get to the to the airport and as you say i think the airport's really really good i think it's it's nice and oslo is a city is is fantastic absolutely fantastic i love oslo even if it's minus 400 degrees (laughs) in the winter (laughs) it was um if you do go in the winter and it's sunny take sunglasses i've never experienced sun so bright in my life but uh, yeah, uh, the,
0: one, the one thing, the Great one tip Sydney. about the airport that you guys have to know. So uh, Norway is part of Schengen. So you go into the airport because I went out, you know, I had four hours. So I just want to take some fresh air. Very fresh, minus 10 uh, degrees Celsius. <laughs> went back in very quickly, actually. But so I went through the normal process of getting into uh, there's, the, there's a single terminal. So you go through the you know security, I just said. What you don't know, though, is that the gates at the very end are the gates for non-Schengen and obviously the US, et cetera. And you don't expect, if you don't know it, they don't expect that there will be an additional uh, immigration counter there. So a lot of people I see hang out in the main area of the airport, which like I did. But if you don't know that there's a second point, you might actually be start to be stressed because that second point is a bit long to clear. So beware if you are going UK, so non-shaking country, of course, any other country in the world, at Oslo Airport, remember there's a second uh, checkpoint if you want uh, near the gate uh, yeah, so tip tip tip. very good airport good for layovers i didn't sleep there but honestly when it's minus 10 outside yeah you pretty much want to sleep in the airport <laughs> <laughs> no not there. there's a lots of lounge areas and anything so it's very nice airport on that uh good. we are
1: going to race each other this uh on that's Sunday. gonna be fun you want to explain it yeah, we so we're going to Tokyo. I am extremely excited. I've First never I've been forget. to Tokyo. I've been to I've been to the airport 20 years ago. And uh, we're going I'm going there to film an episode of Attache mm-hmm. and it turns out that uh, that you're yes, well. you're going to be there for the same time. So which is great cuz you you lived in Tokyo for a long time and I'm I'm uh, taking JAL. They're being kind enough to fly us out there. So a lot of thanks and kudos to JAL. And you're on ANA. And we realized that they depart at exactly the and same time. At exactly the same time. And, and arrive. And- so
0: and- basically, we'll be racing each other in disguise.
1: We're racing, and they both have Wi-Fi, so we'll be able to kind of egg each other on uh, as, we, as we fly uh, across <laughs> Russia. But yeah, no, it should be cool. I'm looking forward to reporting back no on prob- so pro-
0: Most probably, for one, since so, uh, the next airport we'll cover will be Haneda. We'll tell the story on uh, the next episode. Oh, yeah. On that, safe travels, everyone. Take care. On behalf of layovers and the entire crew, we would like to thank you for joining us on this podcast today. We're looking forward to seeing you on board again next week. Flight attendants, please prepare for landing.